question is, how do you personally live la vida loca? <laughs> well, okay, so I wake up every morning, and immediately the first song that comes on is Ricky Martin's Living La Vida Loca. <laughs> and then I salsa my way out of bed. <laughs> and then I made get my way into the shower, and I refuse to speak English. Started, sorry. Oh, <laughs> I was like, How are you gonna push the record button from here? Ash? No, I already did. It's recording and oh. all, all, all on air. All righty, great stuff. Be nice to us and edit that out. <laughs> okay, so we need to do our intro. Three, two, one. Hola, bienvenidos. I'm JJ Saldana, and I'm Rebecca Dalion. And welcome to the Latino Card. We are recording out of the Radio Boise studios in downtown Boise today, and uh, we got schnazzy new music. We are very official now. We are so, so cool. Yeah. So we would like to thank Joey Horton before we start. He is a musician based in Texas. Uh, he made the music for us, and we really love what he created. If you guys uh, like this kind of music, too, you can reach out to us, and we can give him your contact information. He we are so legit now. We have I our know. own theme song. Our have, people will call your people. Like yeah, we, that's a thing we can say. Oh my god, I'm, I'm your people. people. Oh my god, Ash is my people. Okay, so but Ash Miller like is in the studio I'm with us people. today. I'm always. Th- you say that as if I'm not always in the studio. With <laughs> okay, you. that's I'm right. Always in the studio, except for last week. Or except for last ago. week, that was a rough time for us. It's fair to say I am behind the microphone. This there week. you go. Okay, thank you. Ash is behind the microphone, and she's saying things into the microphone. Because she is behind the microphone. And keeping us on task. That's yes. very important. This is something she always does too, though. That's true. So today, for this episode, it's just going to be us. No super special guest this time. I'm the super special guest. Wow, but you're part rude. of the podcast. You're not a guest. You're at home. Yeah. Oh, that was so sweet. <laughs> oh, okay. Tear. So sweet. Oh, my goodness. Right. So we're going to be um, answering some questions we got from our listeners today. Which is kind of nerve-wracking. A little bit. Yes. It's like truth or dare. <laughs> How so? Well, because, I mean, <laughs> on Twitter you said, you know, if anything you wanted to know about JJ or Rebecca. So I'm like, I don't have to, what if people have weird questions? Oh. <laughs> but there's no dare in that. It's um, just truth or oh. Okay, lie. so it's true or, or truth. lie. <laughs> but nobody will know if you're lying. Right. Okay. All right, are we ready for our first question? We're so ready. Okay. They have not seen these questions, and that's important. No, we haven't. Okay. This is, this is why I'm a little nervous, too, actually. Yeah. We're going to start off with an easy one. Okay. okay. What is the best overlooked Mexican food? <gasps> oh, oh. There's a couple for me, and they might not be overlooked, I think, um, with other Latino folks, but I think it's overlooked with um, the general and public. For me, pozole, I think, is overlooked. I think pozole, amongst Latinos, I think it's common, but you hardly don't see it at restaurants a lot. You don't oh, see it um, at other places, but it's so, so good. Do you want to describe what pozole is? Um, yeah, it's a soup. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Excuse me, it's a soup, but it's it's got either shredded pollo. Why can I never chicken? <laughs> it's got either shredded chicken or shredded pork in there, and it's got hominy and it's got like lots of seasonings. And then when you eat it, you can put on kind of your own toppings. So it's usually lettuce. I've heard Lime. people or cabbage. Yeah, Lime. lettuce or cabbage. Yeah, lettuce or cabbage, lime, um, lots of onions, oregano. Can you say that one more time? Which, which oregano? The whole thing? Yeah, no, just, the, just say oregano again. <laughs> oregano? That's oh, beautiful. Sorry. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, you didn't say it wrong. It was beautiful. It was just beautiful. I just want to hear it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was thinking of all the ingredients. I didn't even realize But, it yeah, I think way. pozole is one of the most underrated um foods out there i think especially when you go to like festivals because again it's a soup so i think also people probably don't want it in the summer i mean i don't want it i like it all, all the time actually that's true we do eat it still in the summer but what else do you think is underrated i think gorditas but like mm. the traditional kind not the crap explain, you get at taco bell yeah <laughs> like i only know the taco bell version explain <laughs> me what it should be so okay, it kind of looks like on. a pupusa no more taco bell that's the new rule what <laughs> Taco Bell? Like talking about Taco Bell or no more Taco Bell in my life? Life. You can oh, my, it, you oh my gosh. Taco Bell from my cold, dead hands. <laughs> I mean, I like Taco Bell too, oh but I don't gosh. call it Mexican food. Yeah, I'm, I don't go there thinking, okay. oh, here we go. As long as you don't call Mexican it Mexican cuisine. food, okay. Yeah, it, it's definitely okay. like American food. So a, a, a traditional gordita looks like a pupusa. Where it's kind you of just, you just describe something that I didn't know what it was <laughs> by using something else that I don't know what it is. Okay, so a pupusa isn't Mexican; it's um, Salvad- Salvadorian, Sal- mm-hmm. Salvadoreño. 
I Gosh, think so. we really do suck at pronouncing on this podcast. Right. No, you pronounced oregano right. I just it was it was, it was sexy. It was perfect. Rebecca's sexy cooking show. <laughs> oh my god. ASMR. There's a huge market for that. ASMR is just gonna be me saying oregano over yeah, and over again. And then deep breathing. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Okay. Sorry. So a pupusa is and a gordita are very similar. They're like masa, like the kind of masa that you would use for tamales. But um, it's like in a flat sort of disc, and then there are things on the they're, inside. They're so, stuffed. Yeah, they're like stuffed. So you can kind of see them sort of poking out a little bit, but just because it's like squished down. So um, that's more of a pupusa. Uh, a gordita is like kind of like that, but they slice it open, and they just put the meat, and then they like slice it open, and you put whatever you want on the inside, like a salsa, maybe some beans. cheese, some beans, some... Uh, so lettuce, like a, like a pita, kind of, but kind of, not. but pitas are gross, <laughs> oh. and gorditas are good. Gorditas is a different kind of bread. Yeah, and it's got a... the meat in it, or like um, sometimes they put chicharron in it, mm-hmm. like but it's not the crispy kind. It's like boiled down, kind of like chilaquiles. Like the stew this of is it? yeah, like this is becoming difficult to explain all of a sudden right. somehow. So well, next... I, I, we there's a show on Netflix that's really good. And I'm making everyone I know watch it. It's called Taco Chronicles. And it's completely in Spanish. And each episode, they tell you the history of a different type of taco. So, like, the one I just, oh, we just watched is uh, Canasta Tacos, which is, like, tacos in a basket. So, these people make these people in Mexico make, like, 100 tacos in the morning, put them in a basket, and just drive around selling them. Oh. And that really has nothing to do with anything. I just really want to plug that show. Everyone watching Tacos <laughs> Taco no, they do that a lot on the um, the border. You know where you cross the border from Mexico into the United States. The board, the line is literally hours long. So you're just sitting in your car because they have to process it all. Any day that you cross the border, I mean, obviously this is just everybody who comes in for commerce, and they usually like go in for a day and come back out. So they're just driving cars, and then they'll have those like baskets or like the ones that you push the little bicycle yeah with the, the basket yeah the t- basket it's all, yeah it's on a t- bike and they just bike it around yeah and sell it to construction workers and, and there's like the yeah and that's really really common especially on the border like any border where you can cross there's just these lines and lines and lines of cars just sitting there and so you have all kinds of bikes with the tacos you have like um desserts you have snacks Churros. and they just go up and down up and down and you can't really escape them because you're just sitting in traffic mm. not moving and I was like, that's genius. I mean, why wouldn't you just yeah. bike through with food and hand them, like, sell? They don't hand them out to people. They sell them <laughs> <Yeah>. to people. <laughs> All right. Ready for the next one? Totally ready. Okay. I can also answer this one, so I'm ready. Oh, okay. okay. All right. What is your personal favorite taco place in the Treasure Valley? <sighs> for me, I get in trouble because I don't go, I don't venture out very far. Anybody that knows me knows I'm really a Boise guy. So for me, it's Campos Market here on Orchard. Um, they have one called El Warache, and I'm. Um, it's just kind it's of not a taco, though. It's not. No, it's a warache. Yeah. So, What's but that? it's like a like a stretched out sope. Is that also? <laughs> <laughs> but but tacos. Did I do that thing again? But yeah. Anyway, my favorite, and then there's some outside, just the downtown taco carts. I don't even want to call them trucks. People selling them downtown after hours. Um, tacos de lengua is my favorite tongue. Tacos. I love them. I mean, put lime, cilantro. Amazing. Wait, you just said tacos de lengua is your favorite tongue. Oh, sorry. It's my favorite taco. <laughs> it just came off so weird. Sorry. No, I, I didn't even question it. See, that's the thing. Like, I was listening. I was like, yeah, she was like, I get tongue. it. Yeah, I get it. No, I'm like, well, in my and mind. And you I'm tasted thinking. them in your, in your, yeah, for, for your job, trials. right? Yeah. But trials. I love tacos de lengua. And people have yeah, always been like, ew, but I'm no like, way. I love them. It's my favorite too. With lime and cilantro. I'm good. And onions. And well, I'm not a big onion fan, <gasps> but oh yeah, I forgot that you're like a traitor. Like sometimes, <laughs> like you don't like like there's certain things. That you don't I'm very like. yeah. My, when we were talking in previous episodes about you know how Latino are you, foods is always the one that everybody wants to That's pull my true. Latino card for. That's true. You do get a lot of flag for that. So onions, for, it's yeah. like a staple. I it can't is. think of a, I can't like I don't mind them if like they're like minced in black like, raw onion. I just don't. So, okay, so I have a couple. <laughs> I don't even know if this taco truck even exists anymore, but it used to be on the Napa Caldwell Boulevard, and the guy would just show up with this taco truck every once in a while, and it was super 
Like he didn't have set days that he was going to be there. And then he would just disappear for months. And it's just it's such a Mexican thing to do. <laughs> but his tacos were the best. I don't know if he's still there, but it was it's on the Nampa Caldwell Boulevard. It's just a truck. And it's not too far away from like um, the DMV. And I think it's West Ada. Like oh, the so shelter. kind of like the border called Nampa. Uh-huh. So that's right where the Idaho press offices are? Yeah. So it, like, Does the truck happen to be orange? But No, oh, okay. it was white. But it no, you're, I know which one you're thinking of. And their tacos are good, too. Yes. They're there all the time, though. Yeah. They've and got an upgrade. This is bar. This is farther down. Hers is more like a taco artist, you know. I'm here today and I'm gone tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. a pop-up taco yeah. Place. yeah, no, and they've got the best tacos at Lengua. What's like. your favorite kind of tacos at Lengua? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, that's my favorite too. What's your favorite taco, Ash? So my, my favorite taco type. Yeah. So my favorite taco type is probably carne asada. I just feel mm. like you can't go wrong. You really can't. That's true. Like I used to really like chicken because of the way that I am, which is white. But then <laughs> Nicole pointed out something. Um, Nicole, who's no longer with us, rest in peace, um, pulled, <laughs> told me something. She was like, oh, she's like, <laughs> she's like, uh, chicken tacos are, uh, are always so dry. It's so hard to do them right. And I was like, mm, that's not true. And then I had chicken tacos and I was like, oh my God, these are so dry. So then it, oh, it ruined it for me. But yeah, I think, I can't think of a single like, taco venture i've gone on that i didn't get carne asada because it's just like i feel like it's also that's a good standard if you that's true it's if good you screw that up you're gonna screw up everything well that's what i tell even point. just in general for restaurants and in, in restaurants i tell folks that don't know what to order i'm like just order the carne asada as a whole as the yeah. as the plate not necessarily just a taco true as far as my favorite place so like i am a writer which makes me very, I would say, more nostalgic than the average person. I'm going to get really deep here on you. So all of my favorite places are usually tied, like, strongly to, like, memories. So I, my favorite taco place, my go-to, I tell everyone to go there, is Imelda's in Caldwell. Just because when you go to CFI, when you go to the College of Idaho, Imelda's is, like, an institution because it's not, like, College of Idaho isn't like BSU where you can just walk downtown and get, like... Everything, anything you want like you're very limited in the places you can go to so Imelda's is that and it's a coffee shop right. slash taco place and they have really good breakfast tacos and so I would there's oh, breakfast the, tacos are underrated true. they're severely underrated I would say that too it's just oh I just love that place so much but again it also is because like <clears throat> I've been there when like a day after drinking too much and I was like, this is the last meal I'm going to have on earth because I'm dying. <laughs> and then I just remember like that it like grounded me. So it's just like you're hung over and you just you eat those tacos and you're like, oh, life is worth living. Well, and you know, um, the that new president, the yes. new BSU president apparently likes email us too. I saw her tweeting yeah. about it. Oh, that's I right. like it too. It was um, I'm glad you brought it up because I when I first moved here, that my friends took me. They're like, you need to come and have Imelda's before you do anything else. So. Yes, Imelda's is the best. And I think they're the only place that sells potato tacos, yes? Oh. Their potato yeah. tacos are good. They're I love really potato good. tacos. Just I know. Ties back to their breakfast good. tacos. And then I guess, I think if I had to choose, because Imelda's is, they have weird hours. So it's like, it's hard to go all the time. But if I'm, if I want a lot of tacos, like if I'm... If I'm dying in a different way and I need a lot of tacos, I go to Tacos El Rey in Caldwell, the uh, brick and mortar. Not the new one in Boise, but the one in Caldwell. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That place is so good. Yeah. That place is good, too. Yes. And you, you're you the only one who's actually really done the research because yeah. you, through the Idaho Press, you guys did the taco trials and you mm-hmm. purposely, like, went to every single one and tried the tacos. Yeah. So and I, the white woman, am pretty much the expert. <laughs> In tacos, so. so we will just call you the taco queen from now on. Yes. Right, right, right. Thank you for your expertise. Thank you for teaching us about tacos, Ash. Yeah. Okay, so the next question has a typo, and the typo oh. is actually funnier than the question itself. Um, it's how to roll your eyes. <laughs> it's supposed to say how to roll your R's. But oh, I was like, but there's a typo that says how to roll your eyes, and I was like, well, I'm an expert. Speaking of things, I am an expert in. <laughs> But how to roll your R's, but we've covered that. We did. We, we covered, covered that, that in last, another podcast. Last time I was on. That's right. Do you want to give, do you want to go over it again? Sure. Teach me how to roll my R's again. Okay. And let's do it on air. Yeah. yeah. No, we did it on air last okay. time. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so you don't listen. So when you're not on the podcast, <gasps> uh, you don't listen. Oh, I do. Oh my gosh. Actually, I think I'm JJ. the biggest podcast fan. 
How dare you? I think I'd say Nicole again, rest in peace. And she's she's not with us, but she's she's listening. Some say she's still the she's biggest still, fan. She's still listening. Well, she's a groupie. Oh, that is good. She is a groupie. What? My husband is the groupie. He's our number we one. We can groupie. have more than one groupie. I suppose. Yeah, a, the definition of a groupie is that it's a group. Yeah, the group is already in the word. Oh, I thought a groupie was somebody who follows a group around. It is. But I was being funny. <laughs> Okay. I thought, so I anyway, teach Ash again how to yes. roll. Yes. Okay. So here's a lesson that every white person should know is that you absolutely can roll your R's. You just have to isolate one sound that your mouth already makes. And it's that double T sound when you say the word butter. So Ash, mm-hmm. can you say butter a whole bunch of times over and over and over again? Okay. So butter is uh-huh. the word I'm saying. So Correct. Butter, 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 butter. Butter. See, that's See? it. That's, that's it. it. She's Gosh. rolling her R's. And I mentioned in the last podcast, too, is that I think, um, you know, white people, when they're reading it, or I guess not necessarily mm-hmm. white people, but people who don't not speak Spanish, Spanish yeah. um, who are reading Spanish, they see the R and they automatically attach the white R sound to it. So they, if they do try and roll their R's, it sounds like a cat purring where they're like... <laughs> See, and I, I have a know. hard time. See, that's ASMR. You got I it. Can't even. <laughs> I have a hard time saying, you know, in Spanish, the word pair and then a female dog. Separate. To me, they both oh, sound the same. Yeah. And pronouncing them is really yes. hard. What are they? Okay. Well, I don't what? necessarily. Why'd you pause? Because well, a female dog is, a female a... Dog is, oh, is the same in oh. Spanish and as then, it is in English. And then pair, it only has the one R and then. The so pe- it, oh, wait. Yeah, yeah you're and right. the other one has two R's. Yes. And so, but to me. So if you don't sit on that sound for a long time. Then you're calling somebody a pair when you're really trying to insult them. Oh, okay. All right, great. great. And then there's so many words like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes the other way, too. Like, uh, I know a lot of people who are just learning English and their native language is Spanish. They can't, they literally cannot hear the difference between um, beach and the female dog. Mm-hmm. They also can't hear the difference between word and world. Which sounds so easy for us to pick up, but right. they can't hear the difference. It sounds the same to them. Right. And so it's wild how it definitely goes both either ways. both ways. It, it goes so you, either way. You both grew up speaking Spanish. Yes. Like you didn't like learn it at a later time? No, I grew up being bilingual. Yeah. Speaking both. Because I think I saw a question. We didn't because I was looking for questions. Like I was just going through a bunch. And one of them was, what is harder to learn, English or Spanish? And I don't know oh, if English. any of us. You think it's you think it's Oh, harder? by far. Oh, it's okay. not even a contest. English is more of a scientific language, I think. Than, because and then, no rules? Well, um, yeah, there's so many rules. There's so many exceptions to the rules. And then there's there's like it. It has so many different influences, like not just kind of the romantic language base, which is like English. Yeah, English. It's like Spanish, Latin, Italian, okay. whatever. But it also has a lot of German influence. Mm-hmm. And you can never really tell like where words come from, if they're coming from like a romance language or if they're coming from like German, which is definitely way out there. And it's such a complicated that and Mandarin Chinese have been ruled the most difficult languages to learn right. in the world. If, you, if you're not a native speaker. And I live with somebody who isn't a native English speaker. And I see how much he struggles. And it's so cute. And, and you I love tweet it so about much. it. <laughs> I do. I tweet about it because I love it so much. And does he's just he, he's always he, so close. Does he know that you tweet about it? Yes. yes. Does, he, does he like that you tweet about it? Does he like that we're talking about him on the podcast right now? Um. Yes, yes, and no. Great. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Next question. Next question. Okay. Now we're getting serious. Uh-oh. Okay. Oh, gosh. Explain someone saying or saying someone is Latino versus saying they are Hispanic or saying someone is Mexican-American versus Chicano. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. Chicano? Mm-hmm. You Chicano. did. But the question is... Is it two separate questions? I, I think so. What is the question? Like, can you call people these no, things? No, expl- like what the difference is between... Oh, what is some- the difference? Yeah, okay. explain the difference between... Well, for me, I think Hispanic is more of a government term. I think it was created for the census. And so, um, and I think most people that I've talked to prefer to be called Latinos. Mm-hmm. But Hispanic is what the government calls everyone. That's how I see it. Yes, that and also um, a lot of the the names that you just mentioned or the labels or whatever they're called... Um, have evolved over time. So like Hispanic used to be how I would identify when I was young because Latino wasn't really a thing when I was a kid. Um, 
And then you, we grow older and then we're like, okay, well, there's a lot of problems with the term Hispanic. Like there's erasure, like it erases the diversity within us. Um, and, you know, it's, it lumps us in also with uh, Spaniards who are European, which mm -hmm. is not necessarily indicative if you're, if you're from Latin America. Right. And so then that's why they started calling themselves Latinos because that's like Latin America. It's kind of excluding the European sort of like Anglo side. And then from there, there have been a lot of iterations of like, well, do you identify yourself by country? Because the word Latino actually does not exist outside the United States. Right. Like everybody in their respective countries south of the United States identifies themselves by their country. They don't say like, I'm Latino in Mexico. They just say I'm Mexican. So but here in the United States, because we're such a conglomerate of immigrants, um, we have kind of one term to just label us all and so there's still the issue changing and it, it is it's constantly evolving because now it's like okay if you say latino you're you're old school now and now it's latinx mm -hmm. and now people are like well latinx has some problems so now there's there's switching to latine with an e at the end um so the the latine form is like the new thing because it's very easy to be gender neutral so the pronouns in spanish are are now el ella and then ella for like a, someone who's not male or female. And Latinate, it's easier to write, it's easier to read, it's easier to pronounce. Um, but then, of course, there are people, again, who are just like, well, that still skews to the masculine because if you have like more than one professor, profesores is already masculine. But if you're using the E, then it's you're skewing to the masculine. It would either be profesores or profesoras. And then there's no necessarily gender neutral term for that. And so there's, it's still like in it's progress, very complicated I guess. Still. It's very complicated, but every country south of the border uses, um, uses Latine. And so all of these different terms, like they come into use and then we, I guess, try it out for a bit. And then we realize like, no, this, this isn't necessarily for us. And so here in the United States, though, like the way that I would identify is I would identify as Latina, um, but I, it's such a, like a long drawn out way to say but I say like I'm Latina um, and my background my parents background or where they're from is Mexico but I don't say I'm Mexican because I was born here and I think See, that that's disrespectful for me because I've always people said who I'm born in Mexico I know I a lot of people say do. that and then it wasn't until I started working where I worked that I start I changed to Hispanic but I really prefer just Latinx and think that's just all inclusive right now for me yeah and I and I thought that too because I also went through a period where I identified as Mexican and then I met people who were like, no, you're not actually from Mexico. And they're like, no, you're very American. And it also goes back to like, well, in America, they, they are trying to tell us whose parents were from a different country. Like we're somehow less American than they are. And that's not true either. Like I was born and raised here. I'm every bit American as anybody else who was born right. and raised here, no matter if their parents came over on the Mayflower or if they came, you know, when they were adults too like it doesn't really matter and so then there comes that issue of kind of saying like well i'm mexican it's like well no you're not and also don't dis don't downplay your americanness because mexican is a nationality and an ethnicity so you know don't conflate the two it's very complicated yeah i was like i because i think i've i've looked it up several times and i think it it was explained to me it's like it was a language thing because you could be one but not the other or you could be both. Right. And so that's how I always – I didn't know it was kind of like how you personally – I didn't know that it was like an ident identification thing. And it there's is. people who get offended if you call them Latino or Hispanic because they prefer one or the other. Right. And then there's other people like me. Like if somebody called me Latino or they call me Hispanic, I wouldn't be offended either way. But we have people that prefer – some people – Still to this day, which is a term that's not used as much as it used to be, but prefer to be called Chicano. But um, oh, right. yeah, that was so, the second part of the yeah. question: is Mexican American versus what is what is that Chicano? Yeah, Chicano. what is that? So Chicano is also uh, Chicano is a word when back in the day, like in the civil, civil rights. rights era in the '60s, when they realized that they invented the government invented this term Hispanic, and that's how they were labeling, you know, everybody from whatever background. Um, that's when people realize, like, no, you know, we don't want to necessarily be labeled like that. So they came up with the term Chicano, and they used it to... Chicano means um, American who was born well, in America, yeah. but they have their roots either Latin in Mexico roots. or, you know, any other Spanish-speaking country um, in Latin America. But it became, like, a political term. 
just because mm-hmm. everybody who used to identify as that, they were very involved in the civil rights movements of the 60s. And so they were the ones that were out there like with such Sir Chavez saying like, yes. Welga mm-hmm. or strike. Um, and so then it became a very political term. And so a lot of people who were kind of involved in that still identify as Chicanos today. And it's usually, it's typically like if you hear somebody say, I identify as Chicano or Chicana or even Chicanex, they are typically the ones who grew up seeing those kinds of times, like right. those, that like environment. Like Chavez times, yeah. Yeah. And then Mexican-American is the same thing, kind of, as like, I identify as Mexican. And it's got the same issue of like, well, if you identify as Mexican-American, you know, the that hyphen, the hyphenated thing, they were like, oh my gosh, there's so much hidden in that hyphen and they get all really deep with it. But really what it is is like, oh, I'm identifying myself as a different kind of American, which is also why the African-American community kind of abandoned that too and went back to just like call us black. Um, is because we're not a different kind of American. We're not like a second class citizen. Yeah, we're American. We're American. That's good. That's good. <laughs> and thus concludes my dissertation Great. on those terms. Does that answer your question? Question <laughs> asker? So Simple. there'll be a test afterwards, Ash. Yeah. <laughs> so how do I how do I ask someone how they identify without coming off as racist or offensive? Can I just ask them like straight up? Is it kind of like how members of the LGBT community are just like, just ask, ask where my pronouns are, ask what I identify as. So is it kind of like that or is right. it is there an I easier think so. way? Yes and no. Um, so I would say, yeah, just ask. But also don't like when you introduce yourself to somebody, don't be like, but what are you like? Where are you really from? That's really annoying. Oh, my God. And I've had people actually say that to yeah, me that all the time. Oh, my God. And it's it just it rubs you the wrong way. So like be tactful about it and don't make it like the central thing about that person. Like as soon as you introduce yourself, be like, come on, where, where, what are you? Where are you from? Come on. Come on. <laughs> come on. Come on. You know what I'm asking. Like, don't be like that. That's that's where you kind of come off as rude. Just be respectful. Um, don't make it the most important thing and just be like, are you? And also it understand why it puts us off a little bit. And it is largely because especially with the anti-immigrant sentimentality, Especially these days, the climate today, the climate today, a lot of us will immediately be like, well, why are you asking? Like, depending on like if you're white, they'll just be like, what what's your motive here? Like, Mm -hmm. why do you need to know that about me? So there's a lot of reasons for us to be kind of shaky about that. Um, So, you know, it's not the most important thing you need to know about a person. But if you do want to ask, just be respectful about it. Um, What is the reason you would want to know? Oh, I, I don't know. Just curiosity? Yeah, curi- curiosity. Well, that makes it sound bad. It's just like, <laughs> oh, I'm very curious about you. Oh, I don't know what your life is like. I want to know. Like, it's it just like weird. poking into the zoo. Yeah, like, tell like, me. Like a white person who's just like, I want to <laughs> stare and I want to. Yeah, so I don't. I'm like, on a brown people safari. Yeah, so curiosity oh my gosh. is not the word. I just want to be respectful. I mean, I guess like. Yeah. In this, like, an example is if I was telling, like, another friend who didn't know you, I was like, oh, uh, um, Rebecca was talking about the El Paso shooting, and um, I f- that's just one of those things that, like, I would want to add that, like, oh, she's Latino, so her opinion on the El Paso shooting, you know, mm-hmm. has a different connotation than if she was right. white. Right. So I think that's the case that, like, where I would want to know, so I can so I can be like, oh, she's this. Yeah, and I think that's really nice, like, to be respectful of the fact that we do have a different walk in life and we have a certain perspective. And you can't know that if you don't ask. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think that's great. Be nice. Okay, I'm great. Nice. Just, that's all Just I be nice. I say. <laughs> I'm great. <laughs> And we're done. Good job. Great. All right. Podcast over. <laughs> She's learned. She's learned all she needs to learn. All right. Next question. Okay. This question was from a reader named Ash, and it's me. And <laughs> if you could ask every 2020 presidential candidate the same question, everyone gets the same blanket question, what would it be? I have an answer, too, so we will. Okay. We can come back to it. Or we can... You won't be on the hook. It doesn't okay. have to be race related. Right. I mean, I think it, it'd be um, weird if it wasn't, but. <laughs> okay, way to set it up. Got it. God, I need to really think because I have like so many questions. Okay, well, I'll go first then. Okay. okay. So Bernie Sanders recently wrote an op-ed about how if he were to be elected, he would revolutionize local journalism and start putting an emphasis on it and stop this kind of 
media conglomeration, like globalization, blah, 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 blah. And I think that that would be my question is what is everyone's, what is every 2020 candidate's perspective and plan for defending local journalism? And, or even more basic, it's just like local journalism thoughts, like, (laughs) (laughs) and go answer the question, like, or just like, tell me what you think about it. Cause I think that's very, for me personally, that's an issue that matters a lot because I am a local journalist. So Mm -hmm. I want to know Bernie Sanders has a plan for how local journalism is going to survive. Does anyone else? It's not obviously as important as climate change and like stuff like that, but it is to me and it is to a lot of people who work in that field. So it's like one of those questions, just like. What is your plan? That's a good one. Yeah. That yeah, is I'm a really, really good. good one. <laughs> yeah. I'm great. That's just what we're getting from this. Great. <laughs> okay, okay, how are you going to solve race relations? Go. Oh, it has to be race relations. It doesn't have to be. Because no. for relations. me, my question is, my, seems like it's going to sound generic, but really I want to know how are you going to fix this mess that we're in? That's my question for all candidates. Be, be more specific, though. I mean, because right like now what, we have racism one? is on the rise. There's more hate crimes on the rise. Climate change. There's, again, the media. How are you going to fix that? You know, people now feel free to be racist. Be, and where before they may have th- had those thoughts, but they're like, oh, I better not say that out loud. But now they're, they have, you know, somebody that's egging it on and saying it's OK for you to be racist. So to me, the question is, how are we going to fix this and how are we going to bring this country back together and how are we going to um, unite instead of divide our country? So your so, question is, how do you solve all the world's problems? Mm-hmm. Okay, go. Okay, go. Well, I mean, you're going to be the leader of the free world, so you should know how to solve all so, the world's problems. And it is Hurry up. A question all like, the world's problems. You got it. You go. Do it. I think that question is good because I it is a test of like how much they're thinking about it or how much they can string a sentence together Mm -hmm. because you give me that question. I'm not going to solve every problem right there. I'm not going to have an answer for you, but I'm going to know where to start. And I think where someone starts is what's most important to them. So I think that's a really good question. Yeah. And you know what? And honestly, all of those things that you mentioned are connected Mm -hmm. and it would show that whether or not they understand that they're all interrelated. The, the division, the climate change, and why we haven't already dealt with it. So what's your question? Um, honestly, I want, I'm want i most concerned right now about the situation at the border, largely because of what I do in my right. actual day job. Um, we deal a lot with the crisis at the border. And the thing um, that I have learned after studying, you know, what led up to this, you know, what we've done in the past, et cetera, et cetera, you know, all the rates of like how it, how immigration, whether legal or illegal, has fluctuated over the years. I actually don't know how to fix this, the problem at the border. Um, this president didn't know, doesn't know. Obama didn't really know because there was plenty of, of things that, that went on at our border back then. And, you know, he got a lot of criticism for that um, from the Latino community. We called him the deporter in chief. There was the unaccompanied minors, um, the influx of unaccompanied minors to the border that he didn't know how to deal with. And the thing is, is like the more I've studied it and the more complex it gets, the more I realize, like, I don't know how to fix this because everybody agrees, you know, we need uh, immigration reform. We need, we need comprehensive immigration reform to fix all of the weird loopholes and all the weird ways that it doesn't really fit together. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we also do need to treat the people who come to this country seeking asylum, seeking safety, seeking a better life. We do need to treat them like the human beings running from... Um, awful situations that they are and we need to you know be compassionate to that but at the it's same human time issue. yeah it's, it's absolutely a human's right issue but at the same time we do need to arrange the situation so that we don't have you know hundreds of people over capacity at our um detention centers at the border while their things are being processed and and that we don't get these crazy influxes so that we have so many people that we literally don't know what to do with them and I honestly don't know what the answer is. So my number one question would be like, what do you think we should do? Because I actually don't know how to solve essentially the crisis on the border. I got a lot of um, ideas about immigration reform and what we can do and who I think needs a pathway to citizenship and who maybe can have a longer pathway to citizenship. <laughs> and I have all of those President things, but like, Leon. how do we deal with the border? I actually don't know the answer to that question. Gracias, señora presidente. <laughs> well, that's the worst <laughs> thing to run on. Like, Iris, vote for me. Yeah. I have no idea what to do about this no, situation. No, it seems like you do have an idea um, based on what you were saying. But you've studied it and you know um, 
what's going on. You know the inhumane things that are going on. You know the human right violations that are going on. Oh, so there's so many of them. It's really, really sad, really sad situation. And I think like. I just like this. We're going around talking about why each other's questions are good. And I think <laughs> your question is very good because some like you almost don't expect them to have an answer. But it's the fact that they're like, if they don't have an answer, they can be like, well, here's who I'm going to talk to about it. They have to have someone like I want to know who the president is relying on to get their information because, you know, you can't expect the president to have every answer. Right. And so you have to have that. You have to have a president who has the self reflection enough to know oh my gosh i i know nothing about this i'm gonna ask rebecca what she thinks about border reform or whatever well the trippy part about it is that specifically regarding the situation of the border i have talked to people who have done public policy who have juris doctorates who have been doing this for years especially doing the work on the border for years who have the ability to speak on it and a lot of them whether it doesn't really matter what what side you're on um, a lot of them also are just like it's it's weirdly kind of an impossible situation because the United States is such like it, we're the world superpower. So if people are are in a in a desperate situation and they they just have to run away, like literally their only option is to run away. They can't um, rely on their community. They can't rely on their government. They have to run away. Where else would they run to but a place where they know they could potentially do better? This this situation is not going to change drastically anytime soon until all of the countries that they're running away from change drastically. And that's a lot harder to do than fixing what we have going on here for ourselves. And that's the tea. Like, that's... <laughs> so next oh question, because this was deep. <laughs> Or this one's gonna as we're 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 gonna finish deep. Oh no. Oh, we gosh. have a couple more, but they're both kinda depressing. All so, right, let's do it. What concrete actions can I and other white people take? Um, I guess this question is kind of in response to um El Paso. What concrete actions can I and other white people take to make everyone, including Latinos, feel welcome? What a great question. I know. That came from, I'm not going to say who it was, but it was someone in my own newsroom. And it wasn't me, because I would totally say if it was me, but it was someone in my newsroom. (laughs) Journalists are really smart. Whoever it was, they're my new friend. Okay. Um, That's a really sweet question. And I have an answer. And it's an answer that is steeped in research. It's not just necessarily me. Well, it is me. And it's research. So the best thing that um, white people can do is to become an ally. And that is full on through and through an ally, which is to say, um, you know, don't see other people openly and very obviously being racist. And then you just sit there and then you go home and pat yourself on the back because you weren't the one doing that. That's not helpful to us. Being an ally means that you use your space, your Your privilege privilege to step up and say like, yo like that's not cool you know this is what you're doing to people that you're making them feel a certain type of way and that's not right and if you stand up like we don't need people to just not be racist we need them to stand up against racism when they see it what we need is allies people who can stand next to us don't stand in front of us either stand next to us and and proclaim with us like this is not okay the thing you know don't call them illegals that's not okay stop stop doing that you don't know how it makes them feel you don't know how they internalize that in their lives and it how it it puts a, a fear in them even if they don't necessarily um say it out loud like you know because who who says that like i feel awfully oppressed by this word every i mean some people do obviously but not very many people do they just they they're quiet and they internalize it and they just pretend that it doesn't affect them but it it does and so the best way that you can help turn this around is not to leave us to fight this fight by ourselves. And I also want to add to that because that was a fantastic response, by the Thank way. Vote for um, me, 2020. But, the positivity <laughs> yeah. of this episode was just fantastic. I'm very <laughs> the happy. The brother We're and sister so um, But don't stereotype. Just don't assume somebody is a certain way based on the color of their skin or based on their name or last name um, because of that, you know. 
I know that people automatically assume, oh, this person is Hispanic, so they must have an, immig- an immigration issue or they might be here undocumented or documented. Don't assume that. You don't know. Like Rebecca said earlier, we're all American. And so don't be all out the there. Americans are American. We are all American and we need to respect one another. And like she said, we need allies, but we also need you to not stereotype and think that we're a certain way or a certain status because of the color of our skin. Yeah, and it takes a lot of growth, I think, to not put somebody in a box. And this kind of goes all the way around. But we that's the way our brains organize things is we want to be able to put people in boxes. Like, JJ, you're a dude. Therefore, you're culpable of such and such thing in my brain. And how dare you, by the way? Well, I dare. <laughs> I have a lot of questions. How dare you? First of all, how dare you? <laughs> Second of all, when do you leave? Uh, oh, fine. You know what? Flip the table. <laughs> Well, and that's just the thing is um, we all have our biases. We all have like the way that we see the world and it's usually colored by our life experiences. And so uh, when somebody kind of looks at you and is just like, oh, you're Hispanic or Latino or Mexican or whatever label that they choose, they put you in a little box and then you have to work to get out of that box and be like, oh, you know, because there will be a lot of racist white people will be like, oh, man, Mexicans are stupid. But you, you're pretty smart. You're pretty yeah, cool. I hear you're when okay. I hear that you're term, different. they're like, oh, you're not that kind. I'm you're like, not that kind of. What does cool, that mean? You're the cool yeah. Latino. You're okay. The rest I hate of that them. when I that people say that. That's horrible. That's Yeah. And it's very, it's very racist. And they don't so you're know you're like it. the cool kind of producer, Ash. <laughs> I'm the good white person. <laughs> the good white person. Yes. Coming to NBC this fall. <laughs> and it will be canceled by this winter. <laughs> Are you kidding me? People it would go on forever. A show, show called The Good White Person. <laughs> oh my God. Can you said our last question is deep? Yeah, our last question <sighs> was kind of an extension of that in the sense of what are like nonprofits or fundraisers or things. Um, we can do as a community members in the Treasure Valley that actively go towards Latino affairs and Latino families. Like, is there is there a business I can I can throw money at that helps Latino families, especially, you know, with the current political climate? Yeah, is all I will say. Um, well, business, I want I guess it'd have to be a nonprofit. Yeah, like a non- yeah I guess so, the question's more nonprofit. Um, Trying to think, there's several organizations that do things. Um, I have had I've had ahead. this question recently asked to me also, and I my response is like, well, it depends on what specifically about the Latino community because there's more than one issue. To, yeah, you want to support um, if it's like civil rights, uh, the ACLU has been absolutely there in the front, leading the way. Amazing, amazing group, and it is Latino led. I mean, the the executive director uh, Leo Morales, who's been on this podcast. He he knows. I mean, because and you, he as is the audience knows, because he was really informative when he right. was on here. People really support the ACLU, not just I mean the Latino community, but I mean the ACLU. Obviously, they they do a lot of amazing things. It's really nice to see them, you know, take people to task when they're not doing the right thing. And so a lot of people can kind of get behind that, which is nice. And so um, they definitely the the Latino community really looks up to the ACLU. Um, if you're really in. If you're into farm workers, that sounds weird. <laughs> sounds not right. This podcast, this episode is positive, but also sexual. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I started with ASMR. Farmersonly.com. Farmers only. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So not if you're into farm workers, it's if you want to support farm workers, there's um, the Community Council of Idaho for that. It's a nonprofit. It's a very large nonprofit. They're spread out through, through the state of Idaho. They have 23 sites. Um, they're based in Caldwell, and they provide a lot of social um, services, a lot of resources. Job to, training, yeah, education. Yeah, job training, um, Head Start. Yeah. Uh, they're a really good organization to donate to. Um, there's a couple new nonprofits that are kind of up and coming. Um, IJI is Immigrant Justice Idaho. They're the ones, um, I mean, they provide uh, immigration legal services to um, immigrants on a sliding fee scale, but they're also very much involved in like community awareness, community mobilizing, um, Catholic Charities of Idaho. That's what I was just going to say. Catholic yeah, Charities of Idaho has been a while for a round and they do immigration work. For a long time. That's, yeah. And again, they do it on a paying scale as well. A mm-hmm. lot of times pro bono. Um, and they've gone statewide. So when we've traveled um, to do some, we've taken 
the Mexican consulate, ACLU, and Catholic Charities of Idaho with us to discuss because it's different. Some In some cases, ACLU can help you. In other cases, it's going right. to be. So, um, yeah, but those are all great organizations that can help um, mm-hmm. if you need the help to find some. Yeah, um, and I think the last one. And if one... you have money to throw around, by all means. <laughs> If you have money to throw around, contact me. I'll point you in certain directions. Yes, as a local journalist, I have so much money. I just I tried burning it. I tried burying it. I just can't get just rid give of it all to me, and I'll get rid of it for you. Ash, I personally have. What a problem! My goodness. Yeah, I definitely, especially because I went to grad school. So you know, I just have extra money from that experience. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, last one. You said the you said the yes. Last one more. Um, that I would want to mention is Poder of Idaho. They are very much focused on community mobilizing, and they have a campaign that's coming up um, that I'm very excited about. It's not necessarily a new campaign in Idaho, but it seems like they're approaching it with renewed vigor, and it's the Manajar Sin Miedo, which translates to driving without fear, um, and it's to allow people who are not um, U.S. citizens to get driver's licenses in the state. And there's a lot of benefits and, like, no downside to it. Um, They can't use licenses to vote. They can't use licenses to get any kind of perks. But it does hold them to the same safety level that they have to pass. So, people start buying insurance and And registering their automobiles. They can buy insurance and, and, um, you know, and they have reliable identification. And it's money for the state. Um, there are so insurance many companies make money off of it. Yeah, um, so we definitely um, want to throw our voices behind that, too, because it's something that we have been trying to get off the ground in Idaho for a very long time. Um, and it's been it's been an uphill battle. And really the only um, response that we've gotten is just no, because because I don't want to, because I want their lives to be miserable. I want immigrants lives to be super miserable, even if it benefits me. Honestly, they have no, they, you know, the people who are trying to sell this on, um, they have no response to it once you lay out all the benefits. Um, there's really no reason not to. And 11, now 12 other states already do it, and they, there's no issues. I love the idea that we have to trick people into caring about immigration right. rights through capitalism. Yeah. Because it's like, <laughs> this is, this, listen. Yep. I know. This is going to be great for infrastructure. It's good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and that is. Trip, trick capitalists into caring. Into Yeah, you're yeah. absolutely right. And that's been the, the immigrant rights fight for a very long time. Even when we were like, well, if you allow them to stay in this country and work, it's just really it's money for you and it helps the economy. And that's the only sort of argument that we have been able to get anywhere with here in Idaho. Because if you're just like, it's the right thing to do, people are like, Pfft. And, but they're immigrants, though. But what do like, I get out of it? Yeah, no, I guess it's the yeah. right thing to do. What do I personally get out of being right. a good person? Yeah, and <laughs> so um, that's the that's the battle in this lovely state. <laughs> that's it. That's the last question. Well, I'm glad that you were able to join us because last time you were able to join us, I was not here. That's so. true. Yeah, and you didn't listen to the episode. No, I obviously. did because the episode <laughs> where she taught you how to say the R's, I was here. I remember it because I was sitting here and you were sitting over there. Oh, yeah, that's so, true. I, I think we've actually... Oh, no, no, you're right, you're right, you're right. Oh, no, you have listened to that one because you were mad that you said Berea wrong. Birria, yeah. Yeah. What are you... What, what, how do you no, pronounce it? that's you how I say it. There. Yeah. No, he listened to it. I'm saying... Yeah, so I, I did listen to it because I said it. you missed. Oh. So, yeah, I do listen to every oh. episode. Oh. I don't listen to it. <laughs> I blindly... I you blindly edit. I've gotten to a point... I've gotten actually so good at editing. This is true. Where I could, I could hypothetically edit it without listening to it. Uh-oh. Because, here's why, it's actually kind of fascinating. Your ums, the way you say um, and the way you say um, make a very distinctive, um. yeah, a, no, a very distinctive wave shape. Yeah, shape. No, a wave. Uh-huh. And so I could go through and cut those out. Or like when you, um, sometimes when you're talking to a mic, you'll pop, which means you'll speak too loudly and the mic will cut off. And those also make a distinct wave pattern. So that's a little... So challenge for the next pod, don't say um. Well, yeah, I can I okay. can draw you a picture of what your um looks like. It's <laughs> oh quite beautiful. God, I should get that tattooed. Be a little, a little audio <laughs> nerd rant. It's just very cool. <laughs> I liked it. Okay, that's it. Wrap it up. Okay. We want to thank Ash for getting behind the mic today. We want to thank Ash, really, for being our producer long time. Like yeah, she's, she's very much... Um, to blame for the podcast so <laughs> take it for what it is it's ash's fault <laughs> no she always has our back so we love it 
Yes. So thank you, Ash, for being I am here. a good white Gracias. person. Gracias. You are a good white person. Again, NBC <laughs> this fall. <laughs> the good white person starring Ash. <laughs> no, I don't think I it's need things. And sexy whiter. cooking with Rebecca. Oh my gosh. Oh. What? Sexy. Must see TV Thursday nights on NBC. <laughs> That's terrible. My I'm goodness. sorry, NBC. Don't don't sue us. Don't, I don't know. Don't hurt us. <laughs> Edit that out. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you all for listening. Um, we are, again, we're recording out of Radio Boise Studios, but we would like to send a special thank you to Joey Horton for the music for this podcast. We're Absolutely. so excited to finally get music, and we really love what he created. So thank you to Joey Horton for that. And if you want to um, follow us, you can find this podcast on SoundCloud or anywhere that you get your podcasts, iTunes or Google Play. Um, we're on Facebook now. That's right. Yes, we have Facebook a Facebook page. page. We're so legit. Yep. We have our own theme song just, and we have a Facebook yeah. page. The thing about the Facebook page is like everyone's like, I can't believe you didn't have a Facebook page before. And right. it's just, I'm like, honestly, I forgot because all of us are so active, <laughs> active on, on Twitter. Twitter. Sometimes I forget um, that Facebook exists, which is a terrible thing for right. a digital media <laughs> person to say. But it's true. It's just, I didn't even think about it. And then, I, then I was like, oh, yeah, let's do a page. And then it blew up. And I was like, oh, yeah, there's a huge audience here that we were ignoring. <laughs> Everyone over the age of 40. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> we love you over 40-year-olds. <laughs> So, yes, please do follow us on Facebook at The Latino Card. We are also on Twitter at The Latino Card. And then each of us are individually active on Twitter. Uh, so if you want to send us any kind of questions, comments, if you're really upset about this podcast, we still want to hear about it from you. We will fight you, but yeah, we will, go ahead. <laughs> we'll cry ourselves to sleep. But please do still email us at latinocardidaho at gmail.com. Or you can slide into our DMs on Twitter or our messages on Facebook. Ooh. What? Oh, yeah. We have that now. Check all right. us out. Yes, check us all out. So we will see you all later. See, you always do that. You always end each episode with, I'll see you later, which is I'm terrible. very terrible. Talk to you all later. That doesn't sound right we'll, either. We'll catch we'll up later. We'll catch you we'll later. We'll catch up, girl. Hasta luego. <laughs> Hasta luego is my line. <laughs> oh. Hasta la vista. <laughs> Hasta la, hasta la vista, baby. We'll catch live, you later. Live la vida loca. Viviendo live la vida loca. loca.